You're listening to the Sheep Spot Podcast, a show for hand spinners about making yarns we love. Hey there, Sheep Spotters. Welcome to episode 69 of the Sheep Spot Podcast. I'm Sasha from Sheepspot.com, where we are laser focused on helping you make more yarns you love with beautiful fibers and top-notch instruction. Today, we are going to talk about multi-coated sheep. Multi-coated. Why am I saying that so weirdly? We're talking about multi-coated sheep and their wools. And I am going to cover breeds to look out for in this group, washing and prep suggestions, some tips and tricks for spinning these fibers, and some advice about how best to use them. So let's dive in. So first off, what is a multi-coated sheep? And what does multi-coated even mean when it comes to sheep? So multi-coated sheep grow at least two kinds of fiber in their coats. So they grow wool, which we're familiar with, presumably, and they also grow hair, which we're also familiar with. Um, So wool is relatively fine, and um, the fibers are made more elastic by virtue of the fact that they actually grow from the sheep in a wavy pattern called crimp. Hair fibers, on the other hand, are stronger than wool, but they're also usually more coarse, so they're thicker fibers than wool, and they are straight, smooth, and inelastic. Usually the wool fibers are shorter than the hairs, and that's because um, the whole point of a double coat on a sheep is to, or on any creature that has a double coat, is to keep the animal warm. So keep the warmer, shorter fibers, uh, finer fibers close to the body of the animal. And then the long guard hairs actually serve the purpose of wicking water away from the sheep's body. So a lot of these sheep, and I'm going to talk about specific breeds in a minute, but a lot of them are from very cold, wet climates. A lot of them come from Northern Europe. And so they need to keep warm and they also need not to be wet all the time. So, um, so that's the purpose of the guard hairs. Now, some sheep also grow a third fiber, which is called kemp, that's K-E-M-P, and kemp is a thick, brittle, white fiber. It doesn't take dye at all, so it can be actually kind of an interesting element. Um, It's very important in making tweed, for example, and because it's brittle, it often breaks off and, and is short. But if you've encountered kemp, you'll recognize this description. It's just kind of a thick um, and uh, undyed, if you're looking at dyed fiber. Uh, it's very, it's quite distinctive in that it's way thicker than hair. You can actually tell to look at it that it's thicker than your usual hair. So which are the multi-coated 
there I go again. Why can't I say multi-coated? Um, which are the multi-coated breeds? So there are multi-coated sheep all over the world, but several of them are grouped under the larger heading of the Northern European short-tailed sheep. And this is a group of related breeds um, that live in the Northern European countries. So in uh, Scandinavia, in the um, like Northern I- islands off of Scotland, Norway, that those kinds of places, Iceland. Um, and uh, these breeds are sometimes called primitive. They're most often quite small sheep. And for that reason, they're sheep that large scale architecture uh, agriculture has overlooked. So most of them haven't been subjected to really intensive selective breeding efforts to make them bigger, make their lambs mature eat earlier, all the things that commercial agriculture looks for in sheep. So uh, here are some of the breeds in this category. And I will just start with a caveat that Many of these breeds are super, super rare, and you're just not going to see them unless you're actively, actively seeking them out. Um, <clears throat> but these are bro- um, breeds like Borray, um, Icelandic, Herdwick, American Caracal, North Ronaldsey, Navajo Churro, Wasant, Scottish Blackface, Soe, Romanoff, some Shetlands are double-coated, and some Finn sheep are double-coated. So of those, the Borray, the Icelandic, the North Ronaldsey, the Soe, the Rom- Romanoff, the Shetland, and the Finnish all are a part of that Northern European short-tailed group. But the um, obviously Navajo Churro is a N- North American breed, and uh, Caracal, the original Caracals come from like the Middle East, um, but there's now sort of an American strain of those. The Romanovs come from uh, Russia. So you can find these sheep in lots of parts of the world, um, but they do tend to cluster. Um, this is a genetic ap- adaptation to a particular kind of climate, so they do tend to cluster in these really cold, wet climates. Now, I said that a lot of these breeds are really, really rare. So the Borray, I think I've only um, managed to find some to spin it once. Um, and that was years ago. I have no idea where you would get it. Um, and the North Ronaldsey is only comes from one single uh, island. The Wessant also comes from just a single island. And those are tiny little sheep. Um, the Shetland, the Finn sheep, and the Icelandic are a little bit more common. So, um, so the Shetland actually is pretty widely available commercially. You're likely to be able to find that in a mill processed form and also in fleece form if you go to a fiber festival. Um, Icelandic and Finn sheep are also sometimes available commercially. They, my wholesalers do carry, one of my wholesalers carries Icelandic and Finn sheep. Uh, so they are available to dyers in the form of comb top. 
So you may see some of them died. I have quite a bit of Icelandic actually in the shop right now. And then the more unusual ones, and you're probably going to have to look for, you're probably not going to find these in a mill prep form. Um, American Caracal, although I have seen that at fiber festivals, Scottish Blackface, uh, Soe is quite rare. Um, and Romanoff, I've never seen anywhere. Uh, and then the Boraray, the North Ronaldsy, the Navajo Churro, the, the, um, and the Wissants are also very rare. So, um, now when thinking about approaching these breeds, you should note that most commercially prepared multicolored wools are going to combine all parts of the fleece. So, there's wool in the, in the fleece, there's hair in the fleece, and there's there may be kemp in the fleece as well. And if you're looking at a commercial prep, mills don't have any way to separate the different coats of the fleece. So um, you're going to get all the parts of the fleece. So that's true of um, both of the multicolored breeds that I have in the shop right now. Um, and now I'm calling them multicolored multi-coated breeds that I have in the shop right now. So right now I have some Icelandic, uh, which is a really lovely fiber, and some North Ronaldsy, which is very unusual. You're not going to find that many places. And in both cases, they've been processed, the whole fleece has been processed together. Now, if you can find fleeces and process them yourself, you're going to have many more choices and a lot more control over your final yarn. And I'm going to talk more about that in a minute. First, though, I just want to talk about washing these fleeces if you are able to come across some of them. Um, So if you're going to separate the fleece into its various coats, um, you can do that before or after you wash it, but it might be a bit easier to separate the coats from each other when the wool is clean. I don't do anything special with these fleeces when I wash them. I just put them into lingerie bags as I usually do and soak them in very hot water and unicorn power scour. And generally I do two washes and two rinses unless the fleece is very, very dirty. So I just basically follow my usual fleece washing routine, which I spell out in considerable detail in episode 18 of the podcast, if you want more information about washing fleeces. So the great thing about preparing these wools yourself is that you actually get to make a choice about whether you're going to try, whether you're going to separate out the guard hairs. Um, it's very difficult to separate out the Kemp because the Kemp is so short. It's usually um, as short or shorter than the wool fibers in the fleece. And the, it's the difference in length that allows you to separate the different coats. So um, with some fleeces, you may be able to separate them really easily by just pulling the hairs out from the end of the lock. So you would hold the base of the lock. Um, that would be the cut end of the lock in one hand and then pull out the hairs with your other hand. Um, and you can also do this separating process using combs. So you can load the locks onto a comb 
with um, the cut end of the fleece um, in the tines of the comb. So you're, you're loading it cut end um, and the tips are coming off the combs. And, um, and then you can either just uh, pull out the hairs by hand. They're going to be longer than, than the wool fiber. So you can just pull them out by hand and set them aside, or you can actually comb them out uh, using the other comb. So if you go this route, you just want to be really careful to engage just the tips of the long hairs with the comb. And you always, when you're combing, you want to, you want to just engage the tips of the lock as you're starting to comb and then um, move deeper into the lock very slowly. That's going to give you the best result. And it's also going to be the easiest on your hands. So um, in this case, if you're using combs to separate a multi-coated fleece, your goal is to um, just grab the hairs with your working comb and your stationary comb, the one you're combing the fiber off of, or the one you're combing the fiber from, um, you're just going to work very slowly towards your stationary comb with your working comb and stop before you get to the shorter fibers. And at that point, you can just, um, take the hairs, put them in one, one pile, put the wool in one in, in another pile, and then you can decide how you want to work with each part of the coat. Um, so with respect to actually using these fleeces, sorry, there's going to be paper rustling. Okay, here we go. No more paper rustling. Um, more about prepping. Um, so with some multicultural coated fleeces, you're going to find that they're much easier to separate than others. So these fleeces come from, as I said before, they come from animals that in many cases have not been uh, subjected to a lot of very selective breeding that's specifically about the wool. There are some exceptions for that, to that rule. Definitely Icelandic would be one um, and Shetland would absolutely be one, but a lot of them are, um, you know, they haven't, they haven't been quote improved. And by improved, I mean improved by the standards of, um, modern agricultural production. So they haven't been, um, made larger. They haven't been made to produce more lambs. They haven't been made to mature more quickly. Those are all things that commercial agriculture agriculture looks for in sheep. But these fleece have, these sheep have largely been kind of left alone by that process, which is the wonderful thing about them. I mean, that's why there's, that's, that's why they have still have these wonderful qualities in the fleece, which have been frankly bred out of um, most other kinds of uh, sheep. So you're going to see a lot of variety from fleece to fleece in all of these breeds because they just, um, in, except in the cases of um, breeds that have um, developed on islands, in which case they're working with a very small closed population and there is going to be more uniformity. But there's a big difference, for example, in um, 
the different, um, I've seen very, very different uh, Navajo churro breeds. For, and by that, I mean very different from each other. Um, so what that means is that you really have to take each fleece kind of as it comes. And some fleeces will be much easier to separate than others. Some just want to stick together more. The The hair fibers and the wool fibers just like each other better and they want to hang out and party. And that's just that. They're not going to, they're not going to play your reindeer games about separating them. So um, when you're working with this kind of fleece, the, the hard to separate fleece, it's up to you to decide how much you want to fiddle with it. And um, just remember that spinning is supposed to be fun. And sometimes it's best to let the fleece call the shots and become what it wants to be. So I recommend um, patience and um, also just a little bit of self-compassion and a little bit of compassion for the sheep um, who grew this beautiful fleece for you. And maybe it wants to hang out all together. So when we come to spinning suggestions, we have to um, think about there's lots of variation within a lot of the breeds in this group. And there's definitely a huge variation between the breeds in this group. The difference between a Navajo churro fleece and an Icelandic fleece is going to be pretty wide. So it's hard to give wide ranging advice about them. And also whether you're working with mill prepped or hand prepped fiber is going to make a big difference in how you spin it. So if you've, if you've started with a fleece and you've separated out the longer guard hairs and you're spinning just the finer undercoat, you'll likely want to spin it woolen because it's probably pretty short in terms of staple length. And you can do that either from the cloud of fiber that is left after you've removed the guard hairs, or you can card the, these shorter hairs into roll eggs if you have the time and the inclination to do an additional step. On the other hand, if you're just spinning the guard hairs, I would use a worsted method, so a short forward draft, and I would spin more or less the way I would a long wool. So keeping the twist pretty low and remembering to keep my hands further apart than usual because these are going to be the longer fibers in the fleece. And if you're working with a preparation that mixes all the coats together, either a commercial prep or your own prep, you might want to use either a worsted or a woolen method. And here sampling is really, as always, going to be your friend. So with respect to what you can do with these fleeces, really, the sky is the limit. And I love these fleeces because they can become so many things. And I also really love to to think about the historic function these sheep and their fibers have served for their human communities for millennia now. So if you need a large, soft shawl that will fit through a wedding band, um, or if you need halters for your animals, or if you need some strong, serviceable twine, if you have an Shetland or an Icelandic fleece nearby, you've got a one-stop fiber shop. And those fleeces can become all three of those very, very different things. Um, the guard hairs are 
long and tough and strong, and they're great for when you need something long and tough and strong. And the um, shorter, downier wool fibers that are closer to the body of the sheep before the fleece is, is sheared can be um, you know, anything that you can do with a fine wool, you can do with those with those fibers. So they really are marvelously versatile. And um, I just, I just love them. I think every multi coated fleece is an adventure waiting to happen, or maybe two or three different adventures. So folks, that is um, it for me this week. Next week, I am going to dive even deeper into these multi-coated breeds with a breed spotlight on one of the breeds in this category, the North Ronald Z. Um, and these sheep have an amazing story, and I cannot wait to share it with you. Also, before I go, I want to remind you that my membership program for Inquisitive Spinners, the Sheep Spotter Society, will be open for just four days this month. Um, and by this month, I mean January 2020, if you are listening in the future. Um, so they, so the doors will be open from Monday, January 20th at 9 a.m. Eastern time through Thursday, January 23rd at 5 p.m. Eastern time. And the price will be $29 US a month or $309 for the full year. And if you are interested in getting an affordable and comprehensive and super convenient spinning education, the Sheep Spotter Society is the way to do it. I would love to have you join us. And you can get all the details. Uh, and a reminder when the doors open by heading over to sheepspot.com slash TSS. And TSS stands for the Sheep Spotters Society. Thank you so much for joining me this week. I really appreciate your time and the fact that you choose to spend some of it listening to me talk about wool. Um, I will see you in the next episode. And until then, go spin something.